It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Fantasy Points Podcast. I'll be your host today, Scott Barrett, joined by our go-to Devi Dynasty film expert, Wes Huber. Uh, You guys all know him from from our podcast when we were talking DFS, wrote outstanding DFS content. Now he's sort of manning the helm in terms of Dynasty Devi here at Fantasy Points, former PFF grader, uh, one of the best guys in the game when it comes to, you know, really analyzing tape, diving into the X's and O's, uh, and, and especially going to help when it comes to, you know, rookie draft season, startup draft season, you know, where to take these rookies and why, what, how do they project to the next level? Uh, make sure you purchase the Greg Cassell draft guide. You know, Wes is the best Greg. I mean, you know, speaks for itself, you know, 30 plus years at NFL films. Uh, so make sure you purchase the draft guide to, to hear what Greg has to say and all these different prospects and make sure you're also reading. If you're a subscriber comes free as part of your subscription, uh, Wes Huber's uh, dynasty draft profiles. He's already, you know, dug into a lot of the top names talking about what he likes in their film, what, what's their, their history, uh, what, their strengths and weaknesses are, how they translate to the next level from both a a fantasy and real NFL perspective. Make sure you're checking all that out. Uh, Today, we're going to be breaking down the top rookie tight ends. Uh, We're going to be talking about my phase one of my tight end model, which just came out uh, today, maybe when you're listening to this yesterday. But uh, basically, my rookie rankings, it's, it's part of this like multifaceted, process where phase one, I just run everyone's college production and efficiency numbers into my super advanced mathematical model. And it spits all the names out in order uh, in a historical baseline, telling me who the best prospects are in this class and why it's looking only at the most important, most predictive uh, variables for each position. And it'll say, okay, Najee Harris is the top running back in this class, but he's also a top five running back prospect since 2014, comparable to Jonathan Taylor, things like that. And it it spits it out in order. And then phase two of the model, it incorporates height, weight, uh, athletic measurables, you know, 40 yard dash time, broad jump, uh, things like that. Spark score, not so great. It just looks at all positions. And, and treats them all the same, but like what it takes to be hyper athletic and successful as an offensive line is dramatically different than, you know, a slot wide receiver or a running back. And so you want to say something, Wes? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm just uh, looking so, at rankings. Okay. So uh, this looks at it specifically by position, telling you what the most important, most predictive, uh, uh, athletic measurables are at each position. And then phase three of the model, you know, looks at draft capital and maybe even before that, we'll, we'll take a look at what Wes has to say, what Greg has to say, you know, things of that nature. And then really, you know, my rankings get finalized, but right now I'm in phase one of my process. The the article's out. It's like 5,000 words. It's super in depth talking about where these guys rank historically, why I like them, their flaws, um, how I project them to the next level. And Wes has already written his articles up on a lot of these guys. So, so I'll bounce my ideas off of him. Again, we're talking about the top rookie tight ends in this class, where they rank, why, uh, specifically from a dynasty perspective. Uh, but first, a few words from our sponsors. <clears throat> Support for Fantasy Points is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. 
Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with promo code FP2021. That's FP2021 at manscaped.com. Please use that promo code. Uh, you'd be helping us out a, a lot. Uh, this is a, you know, a great sponsor and an exciting sponsor. These the ship me uh, some stuff just the other day. Uh, and it sounds like being a, a manscaped engineer is like being a NASA engineer. Uh, Wes, what's your ball situation like? Do you, do you need uh, to, to, to take manscaped up on their offer here? Yeah, I would love to. I, I think my wife would, would enjoy joy if the decision you know taking the leap so absolutely you know it's kind of messed up that like you know your girlfriends are you know buying expensive razors or they're either going for expensive brazilian waxes which you know has to be painful i feel like the least you can do as your boyfriend her her boyfriend or husband is you know get this subscription from manscaped fp 2021 at manscaped.com. It's the least you could do. And you're, you'd be helping out fantasypoints.com, one of their, one of their uh, uh, advertisers. So definitely look into that. Appreciate the chance to, to talk about, talk about hairy balls on a podcast. You, you'd love to see that. Um, and then uh, let's hear from one more of our sponsors and then we'll, we'll get right into it. And we're back. So, so Wes, we're, we're breaking down the top rookie tight ends. You know where I stand. I know where you stand. The tight end one in this class isn't just the tight end one in this class. He's arguably one of the best tight end prospects to ever come out. And I am so, so excited to talk about him. Wes, why don't you introduce for us Kyle Pitts, talk a little bit about his background, where he comes from. Because uh, I, I know you as a Debbie guy, you're you you probably knew about him when he was a high school sophomore. So so let's hear what what you have to say on on Kyle Pitts. Well, let me just start by saying I have a man crush on Kyle Pitts. I mean, like my heart starts palpitating because this guy is one of the most talented. I mean, receivers he. he He's he's I think a little too big to be a wide receiver because he doesn't have Calvin Calvin Johnson's speed. But as far as like his athleticism, I, I think if he even if he even played wide receiver in the NFL, he would do well enough to 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 compete and 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 definitely be uh, you know a fantasy factor, somebody that you would draft to, as long as he got enough volume. But yeah, going back in his history, uh, he he started out. At, let's see, what school was it? Uh, I don't have the name. Um, he started out at a high school, and they didn't see him as a tight end. They wanted him to play quarterback. They, He said, no, I, I want to play tight end. That's where I think my future is. And uh, they, they said, okay, show us your three-point stance. He got in his three-point stance, put his hand in the dirt, and you know they you know they do they simulated the 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 hike and and you know they watched his get off and he's like no you're not you're not coordinated enough and he's like really so I I I don't I I I don't remember what position he played the rest of that season but needless to say he left that school after at the end of the season he transferred over to Archbishop Archbishop Wood which is one of the top schools um, in that area and uh, yeah he. They they immediately put him at, at tight ends and uh, helped him to develop. He also played some defensive end. He's got he's got real nice uh, length, so you know he was really effective there. But obviously, you know he his his future is at tight end. So uh, you know, and, and, and I just wanted to interrupt you, and that's important too because you know I'm in a lot of tight end premium leagues. Some people are, are talking about well, you know, if he gets drafted by a team as a wide receiver, you know, that's going to hurt his, his value. And in what you just said, you know, it, it seems clear he wants to play tight end, he made a point to play tight end. We, we both think he's a tight end should be a tight end. Well, and you know, and he is a wide receiver, you know, so, uh, but, but he can play wide receiver 
as a tight end. So I think, like I said, I think right. I, and teams are going to want him as a tight end too, just because you, they they're a little bit cheaper when it comes to like franchise tags and a second contract and things like that. Exactly. I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. Uh, it, it will be cheaper, but I, but at the same time, it'll allow him to play the position where he can make the biggest mark in the game. So you, you called it, man. You said, I don't, I don't know the exact date, but way back in the day that, you know, this is a future hall of famer and that's what he is. This kid is a hall of a future hall of famer. And, and there was even somebody uh, recently saying that he, he has the, the best hall of fame potential in the class. Uh, you know, of course, yeah, Daniel year, Jeremiah stealing yeah. one of my tweets. Of yeah. So a year after you made the statement, but, uh, uh, I mean, he's definitely, definitely, uh, I mean, I call him the prototype. He's just, he, what he does on the field is, is something you just don't see from a tight end. And, you know, watching him develop in, in the, the couple of years he's been a tight end, what, four years, five years? Let's see, did he redshirt? Uh, 16, 17. Yeah, so he read, he didn't, he did not redshirt. So yeah, three years, five years as a tight end and look where he's at now. We're talking about him like he's, you know, the next coming of, of Gandhi. And uh, it's just, it's ridiculous what he does. And there's, I've never seen, I've been watching football my entire life. I've been, I've been playing fantasy sports for over 30 years. I've never seen anybody play tight end the way Kyle Pitts does. And out of college now. I mean, of course, in the NFL, we have Travis Kelsey, you know, Darren Waller's not bad. And, you know, right. Tony Gonzalez. But, you know, it's it's funny, though, because last year we were saying similar things or two years ago, we were saying similar things about TJ Hawkinson. But, you know, you need to realize that TJ Hawkinson is a different type of player. He's an inline tight end. He's he's not somebody that you line up out wide. You know, he's somebody that um, the reason everyone was so high on him. Um, coming out of Iowa was that because of his blocking, he was so good as a blocker, as an inline blocker attached to the O-line that, uh, you know, his receiving work was just a bonus on top of what he does. Um, You know, of course, he's also one of the top five uh, receiving tight ends in the NFL right now. But uh, uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be in there. He's going to be in that group a lot sooner than you think. So, so that move tight end versus inline tight end distinction, I think is very important. You know, what Wes just said, yeah, TJ Hawkinson valued as like a top 10 overall player, uh, elite blocker, but in fantasy, you, you don't, you don't get fantasy points per successful block. You, you only earn fantasy points when you're running routes. And that's, I mean, Pitts is a fine blocker. He's a willing blocker, but like his value to NFL teams is like, okay, this is an elite receiver a guy who, you know, is an easy, maybe top three wide receiver in this class. And like, okay, you get him at the tight end position. You know, people talk about tight end being devalued in the NFL. And that's only true when you look at the position as a whole. But if you look at the elite tight ends, if you look at Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, I mean, how many Super Bowl appearances between them over the past, you know, eight years or whatever, uh, it's really valuable. It's really important. You know, Travis Kelsey, what he brings to that Kansas City offense is so hard to to find, to replicate, to stop. Um, but yeah, so so here's what I wrote in my in my prospect model. So so right off the bat, the model says that Pitts is the best tight end prospect since at least 2014, and 26% better than the next closest tight end, Evan Ingram. Uh, he you, you brought up my old tweet talking about him as being a Hall of Famer. In that tweet, I also said, I haven't felt this good about a prospect since Christian McCaffrey. And let me just you know remind folks at home. In 2015, when Christian McCaffrey was a sophomore, uh, you know I, I had a series of tweets. Uh, he was robbed of the Heisman because evaluators don't watch you know Stanford games because it's so late on the West Coast. Uh, he is a future Hall of Famer. He is the closest thing I've ever seen to Ladanian Tomlinson. And I got absolutely clowned on for that. Absolutely clowned on by the Dynasty community. And Kyle Pitts is the first prospect I've liked as much as Christian McCaffrey. Love him. Absolutely love him. Uh, so talking about that distinction, 
And in, in fantasy football, I, I talk so much about bell cow or bust, how bell cow running backs are the most evalu- valuable asset in fantasy. Uh, th- those are running backs who are featured in both the running game and the passing game, played every single down, just the highest upside, the, the most consistency, the highest floor, uh, highest projection, just like so, so valuable. And they're a tier above all the committee backs, you know, even like the best committee backs like a Nick Chubb who are far less consistent. And then with the quarterback position, you have the same thing. It's like, there's all these amazing Konami code, which is hyper mobile quarterbacks you run. And then like the statuesque pocket passers, like Tom Brady was unreal last year, but he's also not anywhere close to a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson. That distinction is so important with running backs and quarterbacks, and there needs to be a similar distinction with the tight ends, which which I called the oligarch tight ends. There's basically the big three tight ends last year, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, who were putting up top 15 wide receiver numbers at the tight end position, and then everyone else. The, the tight end positions ruled by a wealthy elite with all other tight ends living well below the poverty line. It's okay. Travis Kelsey averaged 20.9 fantasy points per game. Darren Waller, 17.4. Tight end four, 12.2. That's just like a massive differential. Positional value, relative value matters so much. Scarcity determines value in fantasy. And the scarcity of an oligarch tight end, there's three of them and then everyone else stinks, is huge. Cal Pitts is a oligarch tight end. And so within the oligarch tight end, there's really two tiers. Uh, There's the move tight end archetype, which is like wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. That's Kelsey and Waller who are not asked to block very often. They're not great blockers. They are running wide receiver routes on 50 to 60% of their, their, their snaps anyway. And then you have George Kittle and Travis, uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski, who are who are lined up in line, they're blocking far more often. They're at a big disadvantage, but like Kittle and Rob Gronkowski are probably the two greatest players to ever play the position. If you include what they bring to the table as blockers, and then of course after the catch, so like you're not going to be as hyper efficient as those guys. Like T.J. Hawkinson is at a huge disadvantage to a Kyle Pitts who's going to be running wide receiver routes. He's going to be used essentially as a wide receiver. And that's what we saw in college, 13.9 average depth of target in 2020, 96.3 yards per game, which is the best age adjusted tight end season since at least 2000, probably ever. And so you could think about Pitts like a Kelsey or a Waller, or you could think about him as, as like a round one caliber wide receiver who has tight end designation, like 15 fantasy points per game at tight end goes way farther at wide receiver. So all this being said, uh, acquire at all costs and tight end premium in a super flex regular PPR or tight end premium. All right, Trevor Lawrence, that's fine. But right after that, I mean, acquire at all costs, Kyle Pitts in a, in a regular league, like I, I could still, you know, I'll still consider a Pitts over, uh, pretty much anyone else. I mean, Jamar Chase is close, not Najee Harris. I think that's the big three decision you have to make, but Pitts is right there with me. Uh, absolutely love this guy. Any additional thoughts, Wes? Uh, yeah, you know, Etienne is, is not that far behind. And then, oh, Etienne, uh, true, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but it, you know, if you really, if you take a step back and look at all the guys we're talking about at the tight end position, um, you know, Kittle, uh, uh, you know, look at, look at what, look at, um, uh, you know, the, every guy that you, that you mentioned Waller. I mean, he was a former wide receiver who, who got in trouble with drugs and was out of the league for a couple of years. I mean, these aren't guys that were drafted in the first round and that came out of, out of school. I mean, Kittle was a fifth rounder. Kelsey, he was another guy got in trouble at Cincinnati. He wasn't somebody that was, that went into the draft process when everybody was like, Oh my goodness, this is a first round, you know, top 10 pick. I mean, you look at, you look at, at, at Hawkinson and you look at Pitts. I mean, we, it, it's, it's just, it's, we've had a wealth here with Pitts and Hawkinson over the past couple of years of, you know, you know, maybe one of the best inline tight ends and maybe one of the best, uh, uh, one of the best jokers in, in in history and and 
it's 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 easy just to say, oh yeah, you know, you know, DJ Hawkinson this and Kyle Pitts that, but I mean, we need to get excited about these guys. These guys are really good, and um, but you know, but at the same time, they're also they're also guys who who were just as good in college. And that's, and it takes so long for these tight ends to develop. They don't just, they don't just sprout overnight. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's something to get excited about with Kyle Pitts. It's like you were doing a rookie draft yesterday and we were texting about all your picks and, and I was like, okay, so, so Pitts went, you know, it was a tight end, uh, super flex premium, a super flex tight end premium. And I'm thinking, okay, so Pitts went, Pitts went first pick, right? And you're like, no, he went with the fourth pick. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like who passed on this guy? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm stunned that I don't care if it was Etienne or Najee Harris or Chase. I don't care. We're tied in at one and a half points per reception and we're passing on pits. No way. No way. Right. So, so I'm in three startup drafts right now uh, or two startup drafts in that rookie draft. We, we missed out on pits. Uh, we just didn't have a pick that early. Uh, but in my two startups, I've already acquired pits. I think we're in round six and one of them I'm going like productive struggle, but, uh, I have two picks. I have Mahomes and pits and it's just like, I'm, I'm sitting pretty, even though it's round six, I only have two guys just cause I got pits who again, tight end premium, basically acquire at all costs. Just absolutely love this guy. Yeah. If you pass up on this guy, time. then you're going to be crying and, and, uh, you know, at, at least, at the 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 longest a year, but I, I think Pitts is going to immediately make an impact, especially with the draft capital. It's going to take his in. So, so immediately make an impact. Uh, what about Pitts and redraft? Because I think he should have a higher ADP than any rookie tight end ever. But at the same time, I mean, it is so statistically significant that rookie tight ends aren't great fantasy assets. But I, I think a Evan Ingram type rookie season is easily in, uh, in the realm of possibilities for Pitts. you know, athletically similar usage, similar where they're viewed as sort of like a, a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. Where, where, where do you think you'd take him in redraft? Yeah. I mean, so like you look at Hawkinson and that's what people may, may compare him to. They may say like, well, you know, look at Hawkinson's rookie year. He had that big breakout first game and then he just disappeared. But you got to understand the role he played on the lions was a lot different than what his, what, what Pitts's team is going to want from him. The, the lions, they didn't, they didn't involve him as much in the offense because his blocking, he was struggling with his blocking. It didn't, it took him some, some, some time to, to, you know, uh, uh, you know, catch up with the speed of the game. And with Pitts, it's not going to be like that, that, you know, we do want to see him block. We do want to see him in, in, in that role because, you know, obviously we want him to be on, on the field on play action on RPOs, run pass options. But at the same time, Pitts is going to be drafted as, you know, for what he does as a receiver, what he does in, in the passing game. And um, I, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, wherever you're drafting chase, wherever you're, you're drafting, I mean, I don't think Devontae Smith is going to have an immediate impact, but wherever you think you should be drafting Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts should go before him. I mean, Kyle Pitts is um, is right there with Chase. If if Chase goes off the board, that's that should signal just in redraft, though. Obviously, not a super flex or tight end premium, but um, uh, yeah, Pitts should should be the immediate thought if you see Chase go off the board. All right. So now let's get to the tight end two in this class. And I mean, Pitts is in a tier and then there's like eight empty tiers below that. And then we're getting to the tight end two. It's just like, no one touches Pitts, but. And it's sad because Fryermuth is the real deal, man. I feel, I feel sad for him. All right. So, so we'll talk about Fryermuth. So, so my model had Brevin Jordan and Fryermuth basically tied. Jordan edged out. Fryermuth by 0.4% uh, in my model, which doesn't account for athleticism. So like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Brevin Jordan edges them out a little bit more after their respective pro days. But I agree with you that Fryermuth should be 
the number two tight end in this class. So you want to give a little bit of background on, on Fryermuth? Well, first of all, it, as far as like, you know, we always hear about the twitchiness and, um, you know, and those, that, that's what really, you know, can set up a, a first round athlete apart from the rest of the rest of the class. And with Pitts, we have it, obviously. With Fryermuth, we have it. He's, he's that type of athlete. And the, the most impressive thing about it is that, that he showed that type of twitch, twitchiness when he was in high school and he really wasn't he really wasn't a workout warrior. He wasn't somebody that devoted a lot. He actually needed, he actually needed to spend some time in the gym, but he still had that twitchiness on film. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he, so the thing, think about it. He, he has, he comes from a long line of, of a football family, uh, you know, a lot of coaches in his family. So he, he understands the game. He knows how to, how to read coverages, things like that. That's, that's huge. He also, his, his uncle is a, is a offensive line coach. So he, he knows how to block for the run. And that's another huge thing. So we were talking about Hawkinson and that's, that's very similar to Fryermuth. He's, Fryermuth is an inline tight end, but he's also, he, you can line him up in the slot. And he also played some out wide, did well against Ohio State uh, on a lot of snaps out wide. But, you know, you almost don't want to, you don't want to detach him from the offensive line too much because you want that blocking because he's he's probably the best uh, blocking uh, tight end in the class. Uh, the thing about it is, or at least at least in, in relation to his receiving ability, the thing about it is though is that uh, he did have one down season, um, which was his two ni- 2019 as far as his blocking goes, but the, but being able to come back this past year and, and play, he, he showed us that, that he was, he was definitely, um, you know, up to the task, but um, yeah, I mean, so he grew up rooting for Rob Gronkowski. Obviously he's out of Massachusetts, born in Newburyport. Um, but you know, he, he was he didn't call himself baby Gronk. Gronk so don't think that his friends actually did. They, you know, when he started and, and, and the thing is, is, is he didn't even make his, make his fame with football. He was a basketball star. So um, then, you know, which is, which is a common trait you see in, in tight ends, you see that they'll, they're bigger bodied. So you see that they, they, uh, they yeah, one of the variables basketball. in my model is, uh, is, uh, points per game as a, a basketball senior in high school. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that, there does seem to be, there's a lot of, you know, tight ends who have found success in the NFL who were elite basketball players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, of course you go back to Antonio Gates, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of his name. Who's the Colts tight end that I love? Um, Scott. Mo Alley Cox. Yes, Mo Ali Cox, another guy, played basketball, didn't even play football, and then he was like, all right, I'm going to give football a shot. Now he's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, seriously, I mean, I'm hoping the cop, the, the Colts uh, feature him this year. He'd be a steal in, in redraft um, if they do. Well, they did get they did get um, T.Y. Hilton back today, so, I mean, the, 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 the targets are going to be spread out. But anyway, um, yeah, with Friar Muth, I, I mean, I love the guy. Okay, so I – I have personal stock in the guy because it, this was before Kyle, Kyle Pitts had, had already, he did well, but he was already off the board. Somebody, one of my PFF uh, buddies uh, in a couple of my Debbies uh, snatched, snatched uh, Pitts up. I didn't even have a chance to go after him, but I did, I did get some stock in Firemuth. And um, so, I mean, you know, but at the same time, uh, you know, I wouldn't sit here and just speak so, so fondly of him if I, if I didn't think baby Gronk was the real deal. And I do, I mean, seriously. So the one thing about him that, that is a little weird is that he repeated a year in high school because he transferred, he wanted to go play for his, uh, uh, his, his uncle at, uh, at the, at a prep school, at a private school. And in order to do that, he had to sit out a year or he had to repeat his sophomore year. And when he did that, it actually made him to where he could have declared for the draft after his true sophomore season, which is something you rarely see. And um, so he's a little bit older, but I, you know, it, it, as far as the tight end position, it's, it takes a while to develop, especially in line um, to, to, you know, to block these, these monster edges, you've got to, uh, you got to have some skill. You got to be up with the speed and um, you know, and, and, He's he's a really good player that is going to, I think he's going to get drafted higher than than these experts 
um, project him. I think he's going to go at least in the second round. I, he's not going to be a first rounder, but I, at the top of the second round, I think somebody's going to go out and grab him because uh, he's that type of impact player. And when you spend that type of capital on a guy, you're going to see that player play. And you're also going to see that player have an extended leash, which I don't think he's going to need. But if say he does struggle at first, he's going to have an extended leash to stay on the field. And, you know, like you said, the, the tight end four average, what, 12 points uh, per game, fantasy points per game. I mean, there's there's not much out there. So I think Fryermuth is 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 going to be on the fast track to making a fantasy difference. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It, it's also probably worthwhile now to actually talk a little bit about what goes into this, this, this uh, you know, phase one of my model, which you could kind of read as a production score. Um, it, again, it said he was tied with Brevin Jordan as essentially the second best tight end prospect in this class, but also essentially tied for being the seventh best tight end prospect over the past eight draft classes. So like that's a fairly elite ranking overall. And then if I wanted to play around with the numbers, so a a big variable for tight ends is final season raw receiving yards as final season raw receiving yards. And so as we will get into in a second, he, you know, missed a a number of games with a a fairly serious injury uh, this past season. So if I wanted to adjust those or prorate those, I can get him to look like a fairly elite tight end prospect, top 10 over the past 20 seasons, basically. I mean, still behind Pitts, who's, you know, number one over the past 20 seasons, but uh, I could do that. So yeah, four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, He ranked behind only KJ Hamler in receiving yards each of his first two seasons, dealt with poor quarterback play. But like everyone was excited about his 2020 season. Everyone was expecting a big blow up monster year. And unfortunately he had an undisclosed season ending soldier injury, but he, so he only played four games, but he smashed in those four games. He averaged 77.5 yards per game. Uh, It was an elite yardage market share uh, uh, in terms of the games he actually played. Um. And, you know, ideal size, like you said, he's, he's probably the, the best run blocker in this class behind, you know, Tommy Tremble, uh, who you know, doesn't have the, the receiving upside or at least didn't show it in college. Um, he, he spent 51% of his routes lined up in the slot last season. So he, he definitely could be an inline guy, uh, but has, you know, potential uh, as, as a, a high potential as a receiver. Uh, he was the best contested catch guy in this class. Uh, he was a lead in the end zone. He, he forced a lot of missed tackles over the past two years. And, and yeah, so I have him tight end too. I think he's a pretty exciting, pretty exciting prospect. Yeah, no question. I would agree with you there. And, and, you know, I think, um, and, and there's going to, I think as we get closer to the draft, we're going to hear a lot of teams say, you know what, this, this team is really high on Fryermuth and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, and, and that's, what's going to eventually result on somebody reaching out. Maybe they didn't, you know, even, even a team coming out of nowhere, somebody's going to grab this guy because of the potential that he has. And, you know, you say he's a four star and, and I said, he came out of Massachusetts. I mean, we're, you need to understand that that is rare. I mean, this is, this guy come, came, came out of essentially nowhere from a football perspective um, to, to, you know, to become a, a potential uh, early f- uh, second round pick. And, you know, and you say that, you know, a lot of people expect wanted to see a big 2020 and yeah, I was that guy. I was right there because, you know, obviously I put some stock into him, but you know um, his decision to return in 2020 was exactly that. And you say he played around 50% of his snaps from the slot. And that was, that was by design. So when he, when he came back, there were a couple of things missing from his game. And one of them, he didn't do a lot of crossing route work. Um, If you, if you don't, if you haven't read a lot of my articles, I mean, crossing routes are that to say that they're important for a tight end position is, 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 is like saying that receptions are important to a PPR format. Um, you have to you have to be able to uh, excel uh, on crossing routes because tight ends don't have the speed of of wide receivers. So 
they need to they need so as the defense is is reacting to the tie, to the wide receivers and the you know those those get offs that they have from the line you the the tight end streaking across the field if you have one that's got decent speed for his size and good hands he can eat i'm talking like smorgasbord eat that defensive defense alive on crossing routes and so that's why we see we see a lot of tight ends that that excel well i shouldn't say a lot of tight ends the tight ends that we do see kelsey uh waller uh, uh george kittle these are guys that exploit defenses on crossing routes and that's something that he came back and he did he ran a lot of his slots uh, or a lot of his routes from the slot and he also finally showed us some some crossing route work and that's going to be super important to his future all right wes let's talk about my number three, I don't know if he is your number three. Uh, I mean, number four is damn close anyway, but uh, it's it's Brevin Jordan. We had some similar concerns uh, with him. Again, he ranks essentially tied with Pat Fryermuth in my model. So like really high overall. Um, but, you know, as a Debbie guy, I'm sure you knew about him uh, after his massive high school senior season. So why, why don't you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, he was the guy. I mean, there was no Kyle. Well, Kyle Pitts wasn't far behind. I mean, if, if you look back to the 2018 recruiting class, you had Brevin Jordan at the top. Then you had Kyle Pitts. Then you had Pat Fryermuth, And you had Tommy Tremble, all from this draft. Plus, you had guys for future uh, you know, stick a stick a, a pin in a, on these guys, but they're gonna be they're gonna be names to know. You had Jeremy Ruckert, Ohio State, James Mitchell, Virginia Tech, Josh Wiley, somebody that you should make a note of. Cincinnati, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey's alma mater. This guy's talented. Braden Galloway out of Clemson, Spencer Webb, Oregon, Trey McBride, Colorado State coming out of the group of five, somebody who's been a lot better than than you may think. But yeah, with Brevin Jordan, I mean, he was the guy. I mean, it, across the board, everyone everyone thought he was going to be the next thing. His dad, he played for the Atlanta, well, I'm sorry, he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons back, it was in the ninth round back when they did that in the 1990 NFL draft. He tore up his shoulder in the preseason. I think they probably gave him there's very little information about about him but um i think that they ended up giving him a um, an injury buyout it, it, it ended his career you know he just the, the team just didn't have that much invested in him but it just shows that he he was uh he was good enough to get drafted and then so brevin he um it, his parents split up he didn't know his dad very well but anyway he did find like he and his brother found like a bunch of memorabilia from his father in their mom's closet and uh, so, you know, they always wanted to be better than their dad and it kind of just drove them. But yeah, in his three, three straight years at, at, um, at Bishop Gorman, he won three straight Nevada state championships. He had a 43 and two overall record, uh, as a 16 year old, he posted 1100 yards and 16 touchdowns. I mean, he was the next best thing at tight end and, um, he played. So prior to high school, he played running back his entire life in, in football and, um, and you can see that in his game. He's, I, I mean, I think, I think if, if, if you, as long as, as long as you understand the, as long as you understand the con, the context, um, Jordan is probably the best tight end in this class with the ball in his hands. Like as far as like, um, um, uh, uh, working through contact and things like that. You can see that running back ability in his game. Um, but he's a little raw as a receiver. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and, and chime in on your thoughts. Yeah. So that's another key variable in the model is, is looking at, uh, you know, a tight end's ability once the ball is actually in his hands, the ability to, to generate tough yards after the catch. And uh, I mean, you look at in the NFL, who are the top uh, tight ends in yards after catch per reception? Year after year, it's the same guys. It's George Kittle, it's Travis Kelsey, it's um, uh, uh, Darren Waller, it's Rob Gronkowski. Uh, so, so it's so important, and that's something Brevin Jordan was was elite at, and it mattered for for my model. You know, uh, over the past two seasons, he led all tight ends in yards after the catch per reception, yards after first contact per reception, first downs per target. 
so that was huge. And it, you, you brought up him as like a sort of, you know, running back ish tight end. And like, he has that body type six, three, two forty five. That's very similar to Johnny Smith and Gerald Everett, who not uncoincidentally are, uh, were elite at generating yards after, uh, the catch and yards after contact in, in college. So since 2014, Everett ranked first, John who ranked second, Jordan ranked seventh and missed tackles forced per touch by yards after the catch per reception. Everett ranked first, Jordan ranked third, John who ranked seventh. So like all three guys in the, the top seven in these stats, um, you know, really solid numbers, you know, 72 yards per game in 2020, um, you know, a great yards for route run season in 2020. Uh, but let's talk about the concern. So, so the con- concern for, for Brevin Jordan, we have the exact same one, I think is this isn't something my model looks at, but it, it is a concern for me is that the bulk of his production came on really easy, low dot throws. 52% of his career yards came on throws under 10 yards. Uh, Pitts was more than half that. Um, Pitts led his team in dot or nearly did. Uh, uh, Brevins was just 7.9. And another thing I look at that I know you look at Wes is I look at what are the types of routes they're running. So um, Brevin Jordan's R squared correlation uh, to the top tight ends in the NFL over the past 10 year at 10 years and their route profile so, so Brevin Jordan's route profile in comparison to the best tight ends is super low, just a 0.30 uh, R-squared correlation. Fryermuth led the class 0.74, so dramatic difference. And so his, his route profile is kind of like a lesser Jonu Smith and Gerald Everett, who, by the way, I don't think are super enticing names, or at least I did just like neither guy has ever reached 450 receiving yards in a single season. So I was really down on him after this, but then, I mean, you know, John o. Smith is now the third highest paid tight end in the NFL. Gerald Everett's looking like he's going to be the guy in Seattle after free agency. And then you brought up another guy I had totally forgotten about, but I, I saw in an interview, Brevin admitted he modeled his game after who is very similar height weight to these guys, similar route profile, but had uh, a much better, best season in the NFL. So, so why don't you talk about his, his route profile and talk about your comp, which I'll, I'll just spoil the lead is Aaron Hernandez. Well, you know, it, it, it's, he does, he does have similar size and we do see similar production as far as what they did in college uh, with Johnny Smith and Gerald Everett. Um, and I, and I, I totally agree with you there. And, um, and also, you know, a little bit smaller Aaron Hernandez, but, uh, somebody that Brevin Jordan has, you know, is, is kind of, as he was a kid was somebody that he, he watched and, and try to, you know, mirror his game after. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, so the thing about Jordan, like I said, he's a little bit raw as a receiver. Um, you know, he, he was a, uh, the kind of guy at Bishop Gorman that you just, you know, a lot of design design screens, a lot of short stemmed routes and, you know, just let, get the ball in his hands and let him, you know, just try to, try to pile through the, the, the tackles and the tackle attempts. But, you know, when you, when you, when you move up a level, um, some of that, some of those, those uh, missing those gaps in your game, they start to stand out. And that's what we saw. I mean, he, overall, he was, he was good. He, he did, he did really well. I mean, no surprise. He was awesome with his flat work. I mean, over three yards per route run, uh, when he was, you know, working on short routes to the flat. But, uh, you know, when you look at his go routes, which is, which is kind of funny because his first, his first season with Miami, when, uh, I, I really don't think Manny Diaz really just knew what to do with this kid. He was so athletic, so talented, but they, they ended up throwing a lot of go routes to him and it, it just, he caught one. Okay. So, uh, it, it went for a touchdown, but you know, at the same time, it, it, it wasn't the greatest, uh, idea because it, his route running is, is, is just, it's going to take time. And, um, I, I've, I've saw in a couple, um, couple of interviews that, that he did where, you know, he, he understands that, that, that he has, he has work to do, uh, you know, obviously coming out of Nevada, he'd love to go play for the, the Raiders and learn behind Darren Waller. 
Um, but uh, he's not he's not somebody that's going to go to the NFL and he's not going to just like immediately take off. You know, so in your dino drafts, uh, you need to understand that you're going to be drafting this guy to to sit on your bench for a little while, which is fine because I I love Brevin Jordan's um, his intangibles. He's got he's got a lot of athletic. Uh, skills and and I think he's gonna he's gonna eventually be somebody and and the thing is is like his blocking may not be elite but you don't have to be elite at, at, with your blocking in college because uh, well you know some obviously you play at Iowa you you get a little bit you get a little bit better coaching as far as blocking technique goes or at, at some other schools um, Stanford stands out um, but you go to other schools and it's it's more about you just you know get the get the job done and then you know we'll worry about the uh, you know, trying to coach you later, not, not as a, as a knock on anybody, but it more as like, they're worried more about advancing the program than they are the player. But when you get to the, when you get to the pro level, you have a lot more individual attention. You have a lot more coaching um, that goes on. And that's, and, 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 and that, that's when he'll take off as far as that goes, but he gets, he gets right in the face of guys and, and he'll need to do that because there's some dirty NFL players, uh, dirty NFL defenders out there that you know pinch and punch and grab and 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 scrap and scrape and and but he's he's not afraid of that. He gets right up in these guys' face, and 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 that's what you need from from a block from an inline tight end. So he's able to play inline. Another thing that that is really, I mean, it's really rare in this class. Um, it, for him is he's he's actually a really good receiver out of the backfield um, because of his run blocking he's able to pull it off so um, he he runs he runs some decent routes of course they're shorter stemmed so you know that's something that that we can just get used to but um, yeah he's a really good receiver out of the backfield probably the best in this class um, and then you know he can work in the slot and that that's probably where he's most comfortable as far as like running his routes from he's not somebody we're going to plot we're going to line up out wide so um we can we can scratch that off the list at least at this point in his career there was a significant drop off in his production and his route profile is not complete he he was he was decent on crossing routes so that's good but it's a shorter stem um, his outwork wasn't that great. That's going to be the second route that he's going to be asked to run, especially as a rookie. Um, and, and then, you know, like I said, on go routes, he was, he was lost. So here's the, here's the two other issues that I have with him. And I'll, then I'll, I'll let you take over. Um, the first, he was, he was phenomenal against man, man coverage. Like he, from day one, he was good. He, he understands, uh, or, or, or he feels more comfortable, I should say, when he when he knows a defender is 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 just focused on him. But when he's got to attack a zone, um, it took him until this past season to finally start showing uh, some improvements against uh, when the the middle of the field is open. And but at the same time, he after showing some improvements against cover three which where the middle of the field is closed this past season, he regressed. And that concerns me because he's going to see a lot of zone coverage in the NFL. So again, he's more of a developmental prospect. Um, The second thing he missed 17% of his games at Miami due to soft tissue injuries. And I, and and whenever, whenever I, whenever I see that it concerns me because um, it's not about being injury prone. It's kind of about toughness and playing through bruises, deep bruises. I mean, the ones that hurt, but the, the ones that you know you're not going to uh, suffer further injury if you play through it. He didn't play through those. He would sit out. And, and that's a concern, especially at tight end, because he's going to take a lot of he's going to take a lot of. Uh, wear and tear, you know, so we, we want to, I mean, this guy's getting paid like a rock star, so we don't want to feel sorry for him. He needs to get in there and play basically. Right. So, uh, I want to see him on the field, especially if I'm going to draft him and use my important draft, uh, my, my draft capital on him. Yeah. So again, we had very similar concerns with Brevin Jordan, where just looking at his average depth of target, his, his route tree, the, the question is, okay, he's elite at gaining tough yards after the catch. Did he have this, you know, very simplistic, um, you know, route profile because his team was just, all right, well, let's let him keep doing what he's good at. We'll manufacture touches for him on quick passes with free access. It shouldn't be viewed as knock. Or did he fail to run NFL 
caliber routes and see consistent usage down the field because that's just not an area of his game in which he excels. And yeah, uh, after reading Wes's write-up where he dug into the the film, you know, I, I do agree. He's still a little raw as a route runner. He pro- He's sort of a project as he tr- transitions to the next level. He's not someone you can expect to get a lot of production from in year one, year two in the NFL. Like I think you can with Fryermuth. And like I hope we can see with the next name on our list who is – really one of the most interesting prospects in this class. Uh, and that would be Hunter Long. Uh, you want to talk about what you know about Long's background before, uh, I guess, coming to Boston College or, or how he was viewed in 2019 and 2020? Well, you know, so he played, he played, I mean, a lot of these guys, a lot of the, a lot of tight ends will go to, to high schools and they'll play for um, very run-heavy attacks, because, um, you know, Boston College with uh, A.J. Dillon was one of the most run heavy and successfully run heavy offenses of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why he ended up getting offered there. Um, so but when when he when he was in high school um, at, at, at Exeter, he so after he was only 205 pounds as after his junior season and he went to some camps. And I think he went to a Penn State camp. He went to another uh, another Power Five program camp, and he he was just kind of like looking around at the other guys. And it's, you know, of course, he's in he's in a grouping with the with the other tight ends. He's like, okay, I'm not big enough to be a FBS tight end. I'm I'm too small. I mean, uh, and and I can I can completely understand where he's coming from. I mean, I, you stand next to these these athletes today, and you just feel like a you know you feel like a a small little speck compared to him and I, I live in Kentucky so I uh, when I went to the University of Kentucky I saw a lot of a lot of UK basketball players and you know I'm, and I was I was a big, bigger guy I'm 225 pounds when I was in college but when I'm standing next to these basketball players I'm like oh my gosh this guy is a monster I mean I can't even imagine what size clothes he wears you know and but you know, it's the same with the NFL and that's how how Hunter Long must must have felt you know at these camps and so um um, but you know, uh, not surprisingly, he was not offered a single offer. I'm talking Group of Five, Power Five, F- FCS. He didn't get a single scholarship offer, right? Because a lot of the work he did in high school was was blocking. Um, but so, and then, and then, not long after that, he had he went skiing and had a spleen accident or a, a spleen injury that it, I think he had to like sit and he had to just like lay motionless for I don't know how many weeks, I and mean, it was it was really severe. But uh. Right after that, though, he really dedicated himself. He started packing on weight, got up to I think two thirty five, and um, and then and then he was he was accepted into Deerfield Deerfield Academy for a postgraduate season, and that's when Boston College took notice. They saw that he was up to two thirty five. But here's the thing: this kid is a lot faster than you think he is. I mean, you may you might watch the tape and you might say, "Oh yeah, yeah blah blah blah, he's good." But he runs a four five eight. Kid's two hundred fifty four pounds. I mean, this kid is fast. I mean. That that is, I mean, so you talk about Farmy. He only runs like a four seven something at around the same size. But who cares? I mean, Farmyuth has got that twitchiness, that athleticism that you want to see. The 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 route running is 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 on an NFL level. But um, as far as like as far as like uh, uh, route profiles, uh, it, Kyle Pitts doesn't have the route profile to come along. Uh, now, don't take that the wrong way. Kyle Pitts is the cream of this crop, and by far. Um, it, it, but, and just because Hunter Long's fast doesn't mean that he's got the full package because I don't have the, the full athletic, um, profile for him on him yet. Nobody does. We will at his pro day, but, um, we know Pitts, he's the full package, but, uh, Hunter Long, man, he's, uh, and he dominates crossing routes. I mean, dominates him like three, I, what was he three something over his career? Um, so, and then also if you think back, um, oh, I'm sorry. Five point six five yards per route run on crossing routes over his career. Outstanding. The second most important outs. Three point three run. Three one. And then, why, why, why is this the most important and second most important route? Well, because of the 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 stem 
distance. We're talking about short stem routes. And, you know, like I was saying, I mean, a four, five, eight, that's not going to get past any cornerback, right? Uh, if you're in a zone, if you're attacking a zone or, you know, say a, a safety drops down on you in coverage and man, uh, you're not going to get away from anybody with a four, five, eight. But, at the, but if you run those, if you're good, if you know how to, um, adjust, so if you know how to read the man coverage, you know when to make your cut. You know to, you get right up on him and cut at the last second. Or if or if you're in a zone and you know the exact gaps, the holes in that zone, it, it, you can use that athleticism to get into that zone quickly. And and you don't have to you don't have to break off these twenty yard gains. Uh, so the the crossers, like I said, when you're when you're crossing behind the route run by these fast receivers, the the defense just cannot adjust quick enough because they have to get they have to show respect to that receiver that is blazing down the field. Um, you know that receiver may not get you know as many targets. What he's doing though, and that's why these these fast receivers get drafted so high. They open up routes for the underneath guys for the the guys like Hunter Long. And, 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 and when he comes in and he's, he's this efficient on his, on his NFL routes, NFL teams are going to be like, oh man, that's instant offense for us. We can get this guy. We can insert him in, you know, behind this guy, uh, you know, this receiver that's going to be running this route on this side of the field. And we can use him on these short stem routes and as a, as a check down. So, I mean, there's a lot of check down quarterbacks in the NFL, um, but even the best cornerbacks, uh, Patrick Mahomes, they're going to check down quite a bit, and and that's what they're going to do. They're going to check down to their tight end on these short stem routes, and so it, it, if you the the guys that score at the top, I mean Darren Waller, I mean he's he's obviously he's a former receiver. He's got he's got great athleticism, but you'd be surprised how much work he does on short stem routes. That's what makes him such a monster as a tight end. Um, and you know, don't take it the wrong way. I don't think Hunter Long's going to be Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. He's definitely not Kyle Pitts. But at the same time, how long into your draft can you wait and draft? And you could probably take Hunter Long with your seventh round rookie draft pick. I mean, your last pick, and and he'll still be there and pick him up, um, and he will produce quicker than Brevin Jordan will. So I mean, it, it, it depends on. But you know, he doesn't have. I, I think Brevin Jordan has a slightly longer, um, a slightly higher ceiling long term. Than Hunter Long, but I but Hunter Long is the is a guy that is going to give you more immediate results. Yeah, so let, let's dig into where the model has him. Uh, like I said, you know, over the past eight draft classes, uh, Brevin Jordan and and Fryermuth rank essentially tied for seventh. But Long isn't too far behind; he ranks twelfth. But if you if you're in a super flex rookie draft, uh, Hunter Long is being drafted like late round five where both of these guys are being drafted late round two. So that, that's just like a tremendous value there. Model really likes long. Um, and, and a big reason why is so like one of the most important variables in the model is best season yards per route run average. And if you look at the best yards per route run seasons by a power five tight end since 2016, number one is Kyle Pitts. Number two is Hunter Long. Then you got Brevin Jordan, five, Mark Andrews, six, Evan Ingram, seven, Irv Smith, eight. Really an elite 2019 season by a number of really, uh, really important metrics. Uh, it was the second best yard uh, yards per target season since 2015. Uh, it was the second best yards after the catch per reception season since 2015. All this was was super good, but it was a fairly small sample. You saw 40 t- targets, which is good, but only 161 routes, which is actually like typically short of my usual cutout cutoff. That was half the amount of routes Kyle Pitts ran in 2019. And then 2020 was, was, was interesting because so, so long was hyper efficient in 2019. And then like all the efficiency went away in 2020 but he saw immense amounts of volume. It was an elite target share, 24%, which is one of the best marks uh, by a tight end since, you know, 2000. Uh, he, um, his yards per target average was cut in half, but he saw 123% more targets, uh, you know, really wide receiver one levels of volume. 
And so what do I do here? Do I, do I punish him for the drop off in efficiency or do I praise him for seeing, you know, wide receiver esque levels of volume? Um, and and I, I'm going to push back on your, your praise of his athleticism. Just, I, I don't know that that's a, an official number. We're going to have his pro day on the 26th. A lot of talent evaluators uh, have been knocking him for, for poor perceived athleticism. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But, you know, just according to my model and like the different ways I wanted to go about it, like how much I wanted to weight certain things, if I wanted to to drop my threshold to uh, incorporate his, his yards per route run season in 2019, he could look elite, but really he was all over the place. Um, uh, and, and so are talent evaluators. Like there's a lot of comparisons to Ertz, Zach Ertz, which is, I think like, the best comp is like a poor man, Zach Ertz, maybe not elite at elite athleticism, better receiver than a blocker, you know, could be a target hog possession type, but there were also some comps to Austin Hooper, Jay Sternberger, and then some tight ends who are like even less sexy than Jay Sternberger. <laughs> um, but yeah, Daniel Jeremiah uh, said he could be a, a potential late round pick, but a lot of other guys are down on him. Lance Airline give him a, a backup caliber grade. Uh, but, but yeah, so he's a great swing for the fences pick in, in rookie drafts and especially at his current ADP. I mean, just like even the baseline projection is well above what his current ADP is. Well, it's not, I'm not going to take credit for the 40 time, man. It's, it's a, it's a verified 40 time from 24 seven sports. So, um, you know, which they do, they're currently in charge of athletic, uh, high school, athletic combines. So, um, if they say it's, if they say it's legit, it's legit. Um, but, uh, you know, of course we're talking about pre-college timing. So, you know, every, anything could change from, from then until now. And, and one of the things that, that I want to see from long is I want him to, to land in a certain, certain spot, like with Johnny Smith leaving Tennessee, I would love to see him land there since, uh, they're, they're, uh, play action heavy and uh, he was he was just outstanding with play action, um, three point four eight yards per route run, scored two thirds of his touchdowns on a third of his routes, um, and and that that's also something that Fryermuth does very well. They're they're probably the two best there, um, and and uh, so I, I would love to see him go to somebody like Tennessee, um, but you know I mean if he were to go to say, I don't know, Kansas city or something. He probably wouldn't, he'd probably be be similar to, to the backups that they have. Uh, You know, he's not going to, not somebody that's going to force his way into the lineup. Uh, But you know, when you, the drop off after Hunter long though, in the class and well, to me, it's after Brevin Jordan, because, you know, I want to see some, some uh, production in, in, you know, at least by year two, I, I don't see Brevin Jordan doing all that much. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's fourth for me, but the drop off after those four guys is, is pretty severe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to see some guys that will get drafted based off of potential and, and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, I was, I was doing, I was, I was looking at the, uh, the 2022 high school prospects and, you know, you got it, your guy that you love Quinn Ewers at Ohio state out of South Lake Carroll. Then we got Malik Murphy in 10 out of Texas. And then looking at the running backs, Emmanuel Henderson. I mean, this guy's going to be a beast for Alabama. Um, we got Trevor Etienne who, you know, uh, uh, obviously Travis's little brother out of Jennings, but he's unsigned right now. And Raleigh Brown going to Oklahoma, another guy, um, you know, some, one of the, one of the trends I'm seeing at running back, we're not seeing a lot of those, uh, 200 plus pound running backs coming out of high school these days, but then you go down to, uh, to the wide receiver. We got, we got a guy that I'm, I'm just, I just cannot wait to see what he does. Talon Shetron, he's got Tron in his name. So we can, we can already, um, you know, kind of speculate on the nicknames there, but uh, Oklahoma, they've got the number one and two wide receivers, uh, uh, Shetron and Jordan Hudson. And then of course, another wide receiver going to Ohio state, Caleb Burton, but you get down to the tight ends and guess what? There's not a single tight end of massive note in the entire class. 
Now, okay, and that doesn't mean there's no tight ends out there. You got Eric Gilbert, who's the highest rated tight end to ever come out of high school. He he went to LSU and then he decided, yeah, I don't see the fits. I'm going to transfer. He said, I'm going to go to Florida. Then he's like, uh, may, maybe not. And he doesn't like Florida. So now he's back in the transfer portal and he's like, next time you hear my name, I'll be, I'll be signed at a school. So we'll see where that – and then you got – my guy, Michael Mayer at Notre Dame, who who unseated the guy we're going to probably talk about soon, pretty much made him worthless at Notre Dame. Uh, Michael Mayer is a guy who's gonna who's gonna be in the NFL, and he's gonna be have a lot of people talking about him. But man, there's there's a massive drop off after you know maybe the top uh, four or five guys, maybe six. Okay, so maybe maybe seven or eight, and then. There's no the the as far as like projecting fantasy potential at tight end. I'm talking about all of college football. I wouldn't go any deeper than eight, and then it's like it's a it's just a wasteland of yeah, this guy's good, that guy's good, but you know I'm not going to draft him in my devi. I'm not going to devote any. And then when we get to the rookie drafts, it's going to be like throwing a dart. Uh, I'm telling you that that when you have guys that can that that can actually produce at the tight end position, uh, so guys like Pitts and Fryermy and and Hawkinson, I mean these are these are guys that you just can't underestimate their their value, their worth to to fantasy football. Yeah, just to just to recap what I was saying before, uh, there there are bell cow running backs and committee running backs. There are Konami code quarterbacks, and then there are pocket passers. And there are oligarch tight ends and everyone else. And Kyle Pitts, oligarch tight end. Pat Fryermuth, not anywhere on the same level, but a higher tier tight end. Hunter Long, your tight end three, my tight end four. Brevin Jordan, my tight end three, your tight end four. Interesting. Uh, guys to keep in mind. Then the tear dies. I have Kenny Yeboah next, but uh, you could read the article, you know, where I'll dive into him, a few other guys, uh, Tommy Tremble. Yeah, that's the guy so, I was mentioning. So re- read that article, read all of Wes's articles. He's going to, you know, keep diving into all these incoming rookies. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal work by the Greg Cassell draft guide. And you'll hear from us in a few days once my uh, running back article is up and we'll be doing the same thing again, breaking down maybe the top, top five guys, uh, top five running backs. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, trim your balls buy <laughs> buy some manscaped razors and uh, your thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.